Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Jasters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, is it good to be back? It is Monday, February 19th, 2018. Good to have you with us. It is the 144th episode of the Anakin Florian podcast, and for the first time in the history of this show, Ken Flo forgot his cell phone. <laughs> I'm thrilled about it. Where's the celly today, kid? I mean, so you're borrowing someone uh, else's cell phone. What a mess. What a so mess. 144th episode. My second episode with, with a baby, and I'm just, I've lost it. I, I grabbed a T-shirt like from the floor. I got sweatpants yeah. on. Don't have my cell phone with me. I'm a mess. I don't even know what's going on. I mean, it's pretty amazing how yeah. good you can make a T-shirt off the floor look. But 10 <laughs> days as a father. 10 days, ladies and gentlemen. And the guy shows up here. 9.41 a.m. Pacific time. He's got no cell phone today. So uh, he has to listen to every goddamn word I have to say. I apologize for that. In fairness, though, before we get to your your beautiful daughter, True, and mm. she is beautiful, man. I mean, and I, you know, newborns aren't always that way. So I'm not just saying that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but this is a quick turn for you, right? You got post-fight show Sunday night, special Sunday nighter, of course, for the MMA leader. So you, you finish the post-fight show. You go home. You change a few diapers right back at it. So, I, yeah. you know. I, 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 there's a pardon there. I understand why why you don't have the celly this morning. <laughs> well, I'm not going to complain to you, okay? You got two girls. You know what that's like. You've traveled all over the world. I, you're the last person I'm going to complain to today, okay? All right, so you get home from the post-fight show last night. Mm. Is your daughter awake? Uh, like, what are you walking into? Uh, she was asleep. No, she was being fed when I walked in. She was being fed, and then uh, I got up probably around midnight, um, to change her diaper, um, and then put her back, got back in, then had to burp her a little bit, and then yep. uh, and then she got up, and I guess a few hours after that, but my wife was up three times after that, so yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. it's like welcome to your new life. Well, <laughs> exactly. good stuff. It was it was a pretty good show in Austin. We're gonna recap that whole thing. Also, UFC back on Big Fox in Orlando this Saturday night. So Ken Flo's got seven picks for you today yes. and he's got to make them on Monday and I say this <laughs> laughing because he texted me on our show last week he picked Marcin Tabor to beat the Black Beast Derek Lewis and because we pick on Monday as many of you know he does reserve the right to change his pick so the kid went and watched some film and uh changed it up to the Black Beast which ended up being a three-point swing for you in the standings right uh because Lucky, instead though. of 
Actually, it was two points, I guess, because he yeah. was an underdog, uh, a slight underdog. Yeah, fortunate, certainly, to walk yeah. away with those two points. But it is tough for you making these Orlando picks when, <laughs> when you just buried Austin a few hours ago. But, uh, you know, this I'm not the fun police, so you're going to make those picks today, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, before we do get to headlines, I also wanted to mention, how about Nate Diaz on the broadcast, right? Uh, <laughs> with, the, with the L in hand, or it wasn't in hand, I guess, initially, but he thought it would make the shot, and he was right about that, I guess. Yeah, he was. We, uh, well, first of all, let's put it into context. Context. We come off of Derek Lewis saying he's gonna go deep on his wife, and then what do they do? They pan oh, to the yeah. crowd. <laughs> they pan to the crowd. You see Nate Diaz with a cannon in his mouth and a lighter, just getting ready to go. And and I turned I turned to uh, one of our coordinating producers. Uh, she's from Texas, and I go, Hey, is is weed legal in Texas? She goes, It's the farthest thing from legal in yeah, right. Texas. And I was like, Yeah, Nate Diaz, keeping it one hundred. Yeah. It's no, amazing. Nice it's amazing. That I saw this He's morning. A G. I was long, long <laughs> since asleep by the time all of that stuff went down, of course. But I woke up and watched all of it today and thinking, why can't I be calling the fights when they show Nate Diaz with a blunt in his hand, right? To have a chance to, you know, lead something to that conversation, but uh, wasn't meant to be. Yeah. So uh, a lot to get to. Obviously, we'll recap Austin. We'll get your picks on Orlando. Uh, James Vick probably going to join us in about 15 minutes or so. He moved to 9-1 in the UFC by beating Francisco Trinaldo last night. So bunch of shit to get to. Yeah. Ken Flo's late with no cell phone for Against the Clock already. Let's get to headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, so main event, Donald Cowboy Cerrone went in L3. Yancey Medeiros went in W3. And now Medeiros' winning streak goes by the boards. He loses to Donald Cerrone here with two seconds to go in the first round. Kenny, I know you broke down the hell of this thing on the post-fight show you know, I love the main event on paper. I didn't necessarily love the way it, it played out. Uh, you know, I don't love those in in round hugs. Yeah. You go you go to Kenny Florian, search Kenny Florian on UFC Fight Pass. You will never <laughs> see him hug an opponent during a round ever, ever, ever. Uh, your thoughts though on, on a big bounce back performance for Cerrone and uh, and Medeiros' winning streak, of course, going away. Yeah, let's talk about the hugging thing first of all. Um, Great. You know, Yancey Medeiros, uh, he's the nicest guy in the world. Um, but don't hug your opponent during a fight, okay? You're out there to fight, and you can't do that against Donald Cerrone. I remember when I saw his fight against Matt Brown, and uh, Matt Brown was was doing excellent against him, was winning the fight, or doing extremely well. They go into the third round. Matt Brown was kind of playing the bad guy all the way up until the third round. Mm -hmm. They hug, and you just see Donald Cerrone's shoulders just kind of relax, and he just got into his groove, and shortly after, he knocked him out. Donald Cerrone doesn't like that stress. He's a guy that gets very worked up before and during a fight. I think that his nerves kind of get the better of him. That's why he, a lot of times you kind of see him get off to these slow starts a little bit. Yes, he's got a ton of first-round knockouts, but um, he can start fights very tight. I've seen him backstage. Uh, this guy throws up backstage. He gets very nervous. He, he cries sometimes. Um, is he a badass? 100%. But he's most comfortable when he's playing the buddy-buddy role. It just puts him at ease and allows him to go out there and do what he does best. So you kind of have to play that mean guy, kind of like what Nate Diaz did to him. He wasn't giving him any respect. There were no hugs. There were no high fives. Don't, don't do that in a fight, period. But certainly don't do that against Donald Cerrone. And I think as soon as that happened, it seemed like Donald Cerrone was just in his element. And uh, Yancey Medeiros got off to a great start. I yep. believe he started the fight southpaw, then switched back to righty, switched to southpaw maybe for a few seconds here and there. 
Um, I thought he should have stayed southpaw. I was surprised that he didn't say southpaw for the remainder of the fight, but he did get knocked down. He was he didn't put his lead foot on the outside of the lead foot of Donald Stroni. He got cracked with a right hand down the middle, um, got back to his feet as we knew he would. Um, but once Donald Stroni found his rhythm, uh, once he started letting his combinations flow, um, you know, he, he just took Yancey out. And he did it with boxing. Um, I was surprised that he didn't use his kicking game. Uh, Donald Cerrone showed some sharp boxing at the end of that round, won that fight just before the end of that first round. And, um, yeah, he is back on track, man. He's a beast. And it looks like Donald Cerrone wants to go to 155 pounds, and we're yeah. going to get to James Vick, Kenny. But a guy like that would love to get his mitts on someone like Donald Cerrone mm. at whatever stage of their career. So there are going to be big fights at lightweight if Cerrone indeed wants to move down. And again, I just think in that top 10 at welterweight, uh, there are a lot of guys that that present a lot of problems for Cerrone. So yeah. if the weight cut isn't too much, he hasn't gone through it all that much recently. So maybe that helps a little bit as, as he tries to go back down. To me, he looks sturdier, though. So I don't know yeah. exactly how easy that is going to be. On the other side, Kenny Yancey Medeiros, to me, this is disappointing, right? I, I understand the appeal of a main event against Cerrone, especially on the heels of that huge fight and performance against Alex Cowboy Oliveira last December. But this thing came together very quickly. And as mm. soon as it was announced, I think a lot of people – in the Medeiros camp, probably thinking, man, this is a quick turnaround after that type of fight. And a, a five-round fight, uh, you know, not that Yancey looks like Sage Northcutt, but he looked a little bit soft to me. I don't know what kind of shape he was in if he needed to go five rounds here. And I don't know. I just felt like this was Medeiros's window to see just how far he could take it. And, and I don't know. Sometimes when a guy's momentum is halted like this, you sort of feel like, other guys strategically would not have taken this fight. They would have tried to preserve the win streak and focused on contention as opposed to just entertaining and chasing bonus. It, it, it's an excellent point. Uh, and, you know, anytime you get offered a fight from the UFC or anytime you get offered a fight, period, you have to look at all the advantages and disadvantages. Um, and I think that the advantages outweigh the disadvantages here. You know, for yeah. Yancey Medeiros, sure. well, you know, for him, when would he have gotten another chance at a main event in the UFC? And I think that, you know... It, the fact that he was going against another uh, quality striker in Donald Cerrone, he liked his chances there. Um, you know, he trains with a guy or has trained with a guy in Nate Diaz who has fought him before and beat him. Um, and, you know, one other time, are you going to be able to fight Donald Cowboy Cerrone when he's sure. on a three-fight losing streak? However, style matchup, this is why I picked Cerrone. I didn't think it was the best style matchup for him. Coming off of that freaking war with Cowboy Oliveira, uh, maybe, not, maybe not the best decision but, uh, again, you take risks as a fighter. Uh, I thought it was probably worth that risk. Uh, yep. You know, there were a certain amount of people that uh, thought Yancey was going to win the fight, and, and he definitely could have. He was starting off really, really well. Uh, yep. But once Cowboy got in his groove, man, uh, it was pretty much over. You bring up a lot of good points, and there was ample preparation time. It's not as though this was three or four weeks, sure. but you just don't know how quickly he was able to get hard back into it. And you're right. Certainly more pros than cons to taking this fight. And he did get off to a good start as a perpetual slow starter. And again, the narrative could be totally different if Medeiros had gotten him out of there. You know, I have no issues really with the stoppage. I don't know how much you guys talked about that on the post-fight mm -hmm. show. Um, but Yancey obviously was disappointed after the fact. Nice moment there with, with Medeiros and Cerrone's grandmother, of course. Just uh, too friendly for me at times when it was right. going on. And I say that with all due respect, you know. Um, a little fat Jewish kid sitting here in South Florida, right? But I mean, I feel like 
I, I have so much respect for Yancey. He literally is Mr. Congeniality, right? One of the nicest guys on the roster. Got personal relationships with all these guys. But I check out when I see that that pre-round hug a little bit is no, all and, I'm trying to say. And it's a great point. For me, I mean, how do you become that friendly with your opponent and their opponent's families and all that stuff and go out there and go, yeah, I'm ready to hurt that guy? You know yeah. what I mean? It, it, it's hard to take that full step forward. I, for me, anyway, I, I don't yep. understand it as well. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, Cowboy after that fight what seemed to be a little disappointed as well. You know, we talked to him and he said, you know, I, I should be excited. I, I, I'm happy I got the win. You know, I, I was on a losing streak, obviously. Um, but I felt like I should have got off to a better start. I don't know what I need to do to, to, to get that good start consistently. You know, he seemed like he was a little disappointed himself as well. But um, Yancey will be back. Cowboy will be back. Um, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for Yancey to look at maybe his mental state heading into this fight and go, did I did I give too much of myself here? Was I too nice? Do I need to go out there with more of a killer uh, attitude? I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's what works with for Yancey, and he just got caught. That, that could absolutely be the case. First time I ever remember thinking Cerrone looked a little bit older and a little bit slower. Um, so I'm very curious to see what his next fight will be yeah. and who it will be against. All right, that brings us to the Black Beast in the co-main event. Derek Lewis, a performance of the night bonus winner. TKO victory over Marcin Tabora. And I'd love to start with the fight. But when the guy says during his post-fight interview after the fact, uh, April, get ready, I'm going deep. <laughs> You lead with that. So I'm not going to bury the lead. Um, man, I, I, I don't know if he has a podcast, this Derek Lewis, but if you're a movie producer, I find something for this guy to do. And nice to see, not just in Texas, but this guy is starting to develop a real following. I know I know you love the guy on Instagram. And uh, yeah. Derek Lewis with a nice rally for the TKO, $50,000 bonus, and, and the post-fight goodies to boot. The dude is hilarious, and man, does he have a right hand from hell, dude. I mean, mm. every right hand he threw, I think he landed and he dropped uh, Marcin Tybura. Tybura, yeah. move your head, man. Move your head. Move your feet. <laughs> um, you know, he has a good kicking game, uh, but needs to, needs to work on his boxing big time. You know, um, when you're facing a guy like Derek Lewis, get out the way. Um, and, and for Derek Lewis, man, he's got to improve his wrestling and he has to improve his jiu-jitsu. Yeah. You cannot turn your back that many times and expect to get out of it. And for Marcin, he's got to be kicking himself today going, how did I not submit that guy? I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. Derek Lewis, I don't even know if he's a blue belt. He's strong as hell. He can move really well. But, man, I mean, you, how do you not finish that? How do you not, uh, you know, get a TKO or a submission from those positions that he was in? Um, so, yeah, it had to be disappointing for him. Um, you know, that's exactly what he needed to do. He wasn't able to capitalize. Derek Lewis, um, he did. You know, any time he was able to get on his feet, he was hurting Marcin, uh, made the best of those moments. And it's just amazing how Derek Lewis can go from doing absolutely nothing to having a, a window of like eight seconds and being able to knock down or knock out his opponents. Yeah. He has right. that kind of freakish power. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I got away with picking him last second there. It, it is that throwback, <laughs> break your face open type of power, yeah. right? I remember I think he knocked out Guto in a cinch uh, early on in his UFC career. And uh, it just, you know, when, a, when an opponent's on the ground, he throws one of those right hand, literally Brutal. separate your face wide open. So no denying the power. I'm, I'm not sure the ceiling on Derek Lewis is as high as maybe I once thought it was. You've seen not only Marcin Tabura, but even Shamil Abdurahimov back in the day out-grapple and out-wrestle Derek Lewis. Mm -hmm. And I think there are ways to matchmake him to 
get him into the top five and potentially into a title eliminator type fight. I know maybe some people calling for a fight between Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou yeah. now. Uh, take my money, sure. Yeah. But I think you got to be strategic if you're Mick Maynard here with how you match up the Black Beast because I think a lot of guys, if they get Derek Lewis down, Kenny, they'll find a way to you know head and arm choke him or pound him out of there. At least to this point, he's survived in these compromising situations against you know, high, high enough level opponents to get some wins and keep his position in the top 10. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And, and I, I am one of those people would like to see it, uh, see him fight Francis Ngannou, <clears throat> excuse me. He's a guy who's, you know, I don't know how good he is on the ground. Of course he has a Kimura win, but, uh, to me, he didn't show those ground skills against Stipe Miocic, obviously. So um, I, I think he's a guy who's going to be willing to trade with anybody. Both those guys are capable of, of knocking each other out. Uh, I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. Derek Lewis has been calling him out. Is Overeem matched up with anybody, John? No, Does he have he's a, not. That, that's another nope. possible option. Um, you know, both those guys coming off a loss, obviously. I like but that uh, I think it makes I like sense. That a lot. You know. Yeah, and maybe the calendar would align. I don't know how soon we're going to see Francis Ngannou right, right. now. Uh, we'll table a James Vic Trinaldo discussion because James should join us here in a few minutes. Curtis Millinder with a big win over Tiago <laughs> Alves by knockout in his UFC debut. I, 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 you're right, you don't want to put too much into this, Kenny, but as far as debut performances go, almost had two walk-off knockouts within one win. Uh, I got my eyes on Curtis Millinder after what I saw this weekend. I, I do as well, man. This kid from Orange County is something else, man. I, I, I Sometimes you go back and you watch tape and you go, okay, well, big big deal. He's, he's a striker. It seems like he's okay or whatever. And then he goes out and competes in the UFC. He's a completely different guy. So he's been working on something. He's been sharpening yeah. his skills. I guarantee you that because that wasn't the guy that I saw on tape. He did not look that sharp and that confident. And sometimes when you get the call from the big show, it either can make you or break you. This has made him. Um, he got the call from the UFC. He said he was crying on the phone. He said he scared his kids. He was yelling and he was so excited. He said everybody. He, he's Yeah, exactly. He said everyone he talked to, he, he was basically crying. He was so excited. And I said, I don't know, man. I don't know if this guy's going to, maybe he's going to let the UFC debut get the better of him. Not the case. This brought the best out of him. He looked sharp. He was an absolute assassin from the outside. Rarely let Alves get on the inside. When he did, he ate a few leg kicks. He was limping after that fight for sure, as a lot of people have uh, over the 12-year career uh, that Tiago Alves has been fighting. But, man, he just looked like he was at a different level than Alves. This, this was a, a different breed of fighter. It was good to see. Um, Millinder seems like a, a great guy. I mean, at six foot three, 170 pounds, uh, wrestling background. Um, yeah, I, I think he could be something in this division, man. Boy, did he look sharp. For me, I, I, he was the most impressive fighter all night. Yeah, no, certainly. Let's see. Yeah, he did get a bonus, and, and deservedly so. And it was interesting hearing some of the broadcast when it came to the first chance he had, Kenny, in that first round to right. to get Tiago Alves out of there, right? Because in one breath, you can say it was premature celebration. But I think this is also a guy who, who has a pretty good understanding for the damage that he's doling yes. out. And he didn't miss on that second walk-off KO, right? And I don't think it comes from some great urgency to live up to his nickname to be courteous or whatever, right? Like, or to be some great sportsman. Mm -hmm. I just think he knows and he knew that second time. So I didn't really fault him for, for what happened in the first round. Uh, you know, I, I, I just thought that Tiago Alves did a nice job staying in the fight and then throwing leg kicks after the fact to yeah. show the referee that he was still somewhat in the fight. So uh, nice win for Curtis Millinder. And again, at 170 pounds, it's just every fight's interesting. So I'm excited to see uh, what they choose to do with him next. 
I love these Mississippi kids, Kenny. Brandon Davis and Steven Peterson turn in the fight of the night. It's a win by unanimous decision for Brandon Davis. And this was, of course, exactly what he needed after going 15 minutes with Kyle Bokniak in Boston not all that long ago. I, I love these Mississippi kids, man. I really do. There's just a toughness there. Davis wants one fight a month, you know, and yeah. uh, I think that it and again, when he fought Kyle Bockney, you know, he's got one hip, right? He's got one good leg. And then he turns around here. Some of these guys, Kenny, are of a mindset and a mentality that, uh, you know, if I'm 70 percent, I'm lucky. Uh, I just I'm a fighter. I fight anyone and I fight monthly. And I just I just absolutely love this kid's attitude. It's a tough sport, man, and, and has a lot of tough people. One of those people is Brandon Davis. And how about Peterson as well? How tough is that dude? He eats a knee to the face. It splits him open and he looks up and goes, oh, let's go. Bring it. Oh. I, it was unbelievable. This kid is tough as nails. Both these guys, you know, on the way in show, I said, you know, a lot of people don't know about these guys, but the way that both of these guys fight, it's a perfect matchup. These guys, it could be fight of the night. Uh, they absolutely delivered. Um, they basically just stayed in the pocket. Uh, there was some nice movement from Brandon Davis. I think he needs to get his head movement in order a little bit better. Um, but, uh, man, th this was just a back-and-forth fight. Uh, oh. We saw some ground action, some, some action on the feet. Uh, these guys were, were beaten up and bloodied up at the end of the fight and, and just truly delivered a spectacular fight, man. Yeah, so that was very fun to watch. Uh, nice waking up and watching that today. So Brandon yeah. Davis, big win. We'll see if they can turn him around quickly. He's very appreciative, too, uh, of yes. Sean Shelby and the promotion for turning him around quickly and giving him an opportunity because I don't know if there are 100 featherweights on the roster, but at 45, at 55, at 70, it's hard to get a fight, I think, for a lot of guys, right? Yes. If you're one of the lesser names, right, if you do the math, I think it, it averages out to, with all the slots per year, 41 UFC shows, 13 fights a show, 26 times 41 it's about 1.6 fights per fighter per year. And I like that Davis understood that and, and is appreciative of the promotion, giving him a slot when there are a lot of featherweights out there, maybe going seven, eight months without a fight um, because maybe they turn someone down at times or they mm -hmm. aren't ready at other times. Mississippi's ready. We got Mississippi mean and Mississippi ready. I think I'm going to try to call Brandon Davis Mississippi ready. Let's see if it sticks. <laughs> Uh, Sage Northcutt, Tebow Guti. I didn't see all of it. Hit that fast forward a little bit this morning as I was getting prepped for the yeah. show. Um, I know there was some back and forth a little bit on Twitter as to Sage Northcutt's performance and this decision. So uh, I guess w when I was watching, maybe I thought Guti might have deserved it two to one, but I don't have a huge issue with Northcutt the other way to one. Um, I, I, and when you look at the numbers, it seemed like Tebow Guti didn't do a whole lot uh, when it came to striking at all. So. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on that fight and ultimately who you thought should have gotten there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about those numbers. 111 strikes for Sage Northcutt to 29 strikes landed for Guti. Right. Okay, so just that alone, it's like, okay, you know, I'm not a big stats guy, but that's pretty significant. 111 to 29, and people were saying, well, it looked like Guti heard him in the, in the first round or he knocked him down. Okay, yeah, he knocked him down. It wasn't necessarily a shot where he rocks Northcutt, Northcutt's messed up, and he kind of stumbles to the mat. It was not like that. It was more of something like, yes, he cracked him. Yes, it was a knockdown. Um, he was off balance. Um, I've... I've been the guy, I've criticized Sage Northcutt. You remember, I tell at one point, I yep, said, hey, listen, yep. maybe he should leave the UFC, get experience, get better, get some fights under his belt, then come back in. Um, I, listen, I don't have a problem with his decision. I, I really don't. It was a close fight, absolutely. But when you go into a gym, okay, and you want to learn something about hand-to-hand -hand combat, 
All right, Anakin, if you came in, I go, hey, John, listen, this is what I'm going to show you how to beat up or defend yourself. What you're going to do is you're going to hold someone's legs and you're going to stay there. Can you win a fight if you're just hugging someone's legs? Right. No, I get no. it. No, you know, you got to go out there and try to get the win. Try to submit someone. Try to hurt them with punches. You know what I mean? It, that's not going to do anything. You're not doing any damage. Um, and, right. and for me, it was Sage Northcutt who was, he had his legs tied up, and he was the one punching, throwing elbows, and, and Guti was just sitting there. You can't be disappointed with the decision if you land 29 strikes over 15 minutes to your opponent's 111, and when you do get them on the ground, never get one superior position and just be hugging two legs for the right. whole for the whole fight. It, it's yeah. it's not going to happen. I don't know. I, I don't know why people had a major problem with it. Here's the thing: people hate Sage Northcutt. That's what it is. People hate him uh, for whatever reason. He's the nicest kid ever. Uh, it's yeah. been tough for me to criticize him, but he right. has improved. He has matured. I think uh, Team Alpha Male has been a great fit for him, and he will continue to improve and get better. And this is one of those fights where you get 15 minutes of solid action to learn from. It's amazing. I mean, he's 10-2. and two. He has accrued all this UFC experience. I think he was born in 1996. He's 21. You know? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know the work ethic is there, right? You know yeah. your boy Tyron Woodley just raved about this kid and physically what he brought to the table, so yes. you don't have to worry about that. He's done a lot of body preservation, so <laughs> I think he's a guy who longevity probably won't be an issue yeah. for unless he absorbs a lot of shots to the head. But it's not as though, granted, his level of competition being what it has been, and, and it is not good if you combine his opponent's records, especially sure. in the UFC. But it's not as though he's absorbing a lot of concussive damage, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's doing, he's getting a lot of things accomplished in these fights. So, um, again, Sage Northcutt, Tebow, Goatee on the main card. They go the distance. Unanimous decision nod for uh, for the developing Sage Northcutt. Uh, any prelim guys you want to shout out? I know it was a big weekend for uh, for Octagon MMA down there in Texas. Safe Saud, Carlos Diego, Fajeda, Jeff Neal with a nice win. The Bulldog choke there over Brian Camozzi. Uh, anybody on the prelims worth a mention here from the flow? I know you were sitting in the studio, so you watched all these fights. Carlos Diego Fajeda over Jared Gordon, Jeff Neal. Who do you like? Yeah, Carlos Diego Fajeda, man. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about some jujitsu here. Um, it was brilliant. It looked like he had this arm um, wrapped up and he was going to go for a mono plata. Um, something Marcelo Garcia used to do very well, but he, he didn't. He, he went for the forearm, got this kind of chicken wing police officer uh, grip on Jared, mm. poor Jared Gordon, man, and he had it wrapped up, punching him in the head. I like things where you just have complete control and complete domination on the ground over your opponent, where you have the arms tied up, you can punch him, you can submit him, and Carlos Diego Fajeda really showed his level of jiu-jitsu there against a tough Jared Gordon. Uh, took him out, took him out early. People always sleep on the striking, it seems, of Fajeda. Uh, yeah. Was able to land that shot in tight. He has got heavy hands, man. He's done this before. This is kind of a no signature doubt. win for him. And he has good coaching, too. And he beat Olivier Aubame-Mercier mm -hmm. as a similarly priced underdog, I remember, back in the day. I didn't work this show, so I wasn't completely diving in on it. But this was the betting line that surprised me the most by, by a mile. Jared mm -hmm. Gordon was like a minus 250 favorite. And I didn't know if it was the layoff for Carlos right. Diego Fajeda, uh, but this is a credentialed fighter. And obviously, you're right, a signature win for, uh, for Jared Gordon over the weekend. Well, support for the Anakin Florian, or not for Jared Gordon, I nice Jesus Christ. Over Jared Gordon, Jared yeah. Gordon. Yeah, <clears throat> for Carlos Diego Fajeda. Well, support for the Anakin Florian podcast 
comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage, buy quick in loans, apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash ANIC, rocketmortgage.com slash ANIK, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, we will get to the main event challenge here shortly, but I just want to update the standings, and I'm sure if Ben Wurtz-Kenny is listening right now, he's not all that thrilled to know that you were able to change Marcin Tabora to Derek <laughs> Lewis, but that's the way it goes. So Team Anik led Team Florian 17-10 going into that UFC Austin show. So you change it up to the Black Beast, so you get two points there. He was a slight underdog when we, when we picked. So you both hit on Lewis, you both hit on James Vick, you both hit on Sage Northcutt, Brandon Davis. Uh, you had Cerrone by second round TKO. Mm. So you got the method of victory, a point there, a point for Cerrone, just missing on the round. Ben did have Yancey Medeiros. He did get Curtis Millinder, though, as an underdog against Tiago Alves. Nope. So it all ends up a tie 7 7. Uh, so it's 24 to 17. Team Anik has the lead heading into UFC Orlando. With that, let's get ready to make some picks. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. You know, 24 to 17 ain't bad. So we're going to take it. We're going to take that 24 to 17. And Ben, just let me know when our guest picker is ready. And James Vick, by the way, bumping things back an hour. So... I mean, Kempflo's got a 10-day-old, and James Vick's making you wait an hour. But I do want to hear from the Texecutioner. I guess it was Sam Cecilia who gave him the nickname, the Texecutioner, back oh, in nice. the day. I don't I, love the nickname. I, love the fighter, though. I would have loved to seen uh, the Texecutioner versus the Mexicutioner at some point. To just Ooh. see that executed. Was That'd that be, Joey Beltran, yeah. the yeah. Mexicutioner? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. All right, well, I was going to get into a little Jeremy Stevens-Josh Emmett breakdown, but we'll save it here for the main event challenge because joining us to make picks today, Coral Springs, Florida, on the Anakin Floyd podcast, Matt. And this man, Kenny, will be inside the Amway Arena for the show this Saturday night. He has made picks against the flow before, and you guys fought to a draw back mm. in the day. John Zaychek is with us. John, how are you, man? Doing good. How's everyone? We're doing well, man. Is it, is it Zaychek or Zaychek? It's both. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good answer, man. That's a good answer. We went through that drill probably last time you were on the show. Uh, let's get to some picks here. We got a lead here, John, and hopefully you can help me maintain it. First fight on the main card, Platinum Mike Perry. Not white gold, folks. Platinum Mike Perry. Home game here. He is the minus 320 favorite against Max Payne Griffin. Griffin, the plus 240 underdog. So Perry, certainly with more UFC experience, at least at a high level, coming off that loss to Santiago Ponzinibbio back in December. John, your thoughts on this fight here between Mike Perry and Max Griffin, and ultimately, who gets the W this weekend? Okay, and um, 
let me start by saying that picture that's going to be up on the screen of me right now is with Dana White, uh-huh. and I chose that picture in honor of President's Day today. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Wow. That's good stuff right there. So, so Perry, he was in a war just about two months ago with Santiago, so that concerns me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't see Griffin being able to hurt him. If Perry's going to be coming back this quickly, this was the right type of fight for him to take to get back in the win column. Plus, it's a home game. So I got to go with Mike Perry by second round TKO. Yeah, that's a good point, John. And I, that shouldn't be lost on anyone, Kenny, the, the nature of that fight yeah. against Ponzinibbio, which was less than two months, about two months ago as we sit here on February 19th. On the other side, Max Payne Griffin, the plus 240 underdog, one and two in the UFC, coming off a loss to Eligio Zaleski Dos Santos. No shame in that. That dude's an absolute beast. Uh, but Kenny, Perry and Griffin here to kick off the main card on Fox this weekend. Your thoughts? I like Perry in this one as well. Um, I think he just hits a little bit harder than Max Griffin. Um, um, has more experience in the UFC. I, I think that that's going to make a difference. But yeah, especially given the fact that you know he was limping pretty bad in that fight against Ponzinibbio. You know his leg yeah. seemed like it was pretty messed up. Hopefully it wasn't a knee injury and it was just kind of a bruised leg. But uh, yeah, I got to go with Perry here. <clears throat> Platinum Mike Perry, the prohibitive favorite, the pick for both John and Ken Flo. All right, next up, a fight that. I think was supposed to go down in Charlotte a few weeks ago. It will be done in Orlando this weekend. Oban St. Pru, slightest of favorites here against Alir Latifi. So OSP minus 125, Latifi at minus 105. And again, you look at the rankings at light heavyweight, John. Big one potentially here at 205 pounds. The question is, uh, who gets it, St. Pru or Latifi? So I wouldn't quite call him a gatekeeper, but to me, OSP is the litmus test for the light heavyweight division. Um, I think he's going to be too much for Latifi, who hasn't always had his best showings when he stepped up the competition. So OSP uses wrestling, and he'll grind out an easy decision. So Ken Flo, St. Prue on paper has won his last three. Marcos, Rogerio de Lima, Yushin Okami knocked out Corey Anderson back in November, uh, a fight in which he, he probably would have ended up on the wrong side of the scorecards had it gone the distance. Latifi, that win over Tyson Pedro looks better by the day. That was back in September, UFC 215, I believe. Yeah. So both guys with, with some momentum here, and that's why I say potentially this fight is is a sneaky big one here at light heavyweight, especially with the current champion moving up to heavyweight. Uh, Latifi and St. Prue, also I would think, Kenny, a good betting car, uh, betting fight for some people because you're not paying a big price on either side. But the listeners want to know, of course, which side does does the flow fall on? You know, St. Prue has some decent takedowns. He does not take Alir Latifi down, in my opinion. I think Latifi being as low to the ground as he is and kind of having that wrestling background, uh, formal wrestling background, I don't think St. Prue is going to be able to take him down. Uh, Latifi is yeah. extremely strong, low to the ground. I think he hits harder than St. Prue as well. I think St. Prue is probably a little bit better on the ground when it comes to submissions. Um, Latifi's going to be tough to, to put on his back. Uh, I think Latifi wins this one. All right, Latifi for Kenful. I like that you guys are on different sides of it. All right, I'm excited for this co-main event. Legitimately very excited for this fight. So Jessica Andrade, minus 285. Tisha Torres entrenched as a plus 220 underdog. I'm not sure this betting line gives Torres, Kenny, the credit that she deserves. I, I understand Andrade deserves to be the right. favorite here, and the resume speaks for itself, but Tisha Torre, you know, six and one in the UFC, only lost to Rose Namajunas. So I was surprised to see just how pronounced it was. Maybe, of course, because Jessica Andrade beat Claudia Gedalia back in September, which is as big a name as this division has, that is a non-champion. 
Uh, what do you think, John, about this fight? Any value on Tisha Torres in that plus 220 range for you? <clears throat> All right, let's have some fun now. So, Andrade, <laughs> she looked like a world beater in that last fight with Gadelia, but she did. Torres may have the secret weapon here. In 2015, her significant other, Raquel Pennington, beat Andrade. Although it was a different weight class, I still think that's beneficial for Torres in this camp. And if not, it sure sounds good. But I think Torres' time is now to earn the title shot. So I'm going to say Torres wins the same way Raquel did, rear naked choke in the second round. You know, that's good analysis there, too. And I hadn't thought about the Raquel Pennington angle. In Jessica Andrade, Kenny, you have a fighter who, I mean, she could she could win a UFC belt in three divisions, right? Obviously, she would give up a ton of size to Amanda Nunes. But this is a fighter who, certainly at 115 and now at 125 pounds, is a fighter that you got to think. Uh, is going to get back to a title fight, if not be a UFC champion one day. But Torres, the only time she finished a fight in the UFC against Juliana Lima was relatively short notice. This fight came together relatively quickly. Yep. I think Tisha is in very good current form. Is that enough for you, Kenny, given our scoring system to go with Torres, or or do you like Jessica Andrade to uh, to hold serve here as the fave? You, well, the thing is that when Pennington beat her, that was at 135 pounds, right? So I think Correct. Andrade yep. <clears throat> going down in weight, uh, she's going to be a problem, man. Uh, I classes, think, yeah. Yeah, so I think for Tisha Torres, I, I think she's the more technical striker. She's the trickier striker. There's no doubt about that. She's not easy to, easy to be taken down. I think the pressure and strength, though, of Andrade in that division is just significant. I don't think there's anyone who really can match the sort of aggression and power that Andrade brings at 115 pounds. I, I just don't. And I think she's going to be able to hit a lot of takedowns that people get close on. I think Andrade is going to be the woman who can hit those takedowns, keep her on the ground. Um, it seems like she just gets stronger as the fight goes on, no matter who she's going against. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I see Andrade uh, grinding out another win. It's a very interesting fight in a very interesting division, and obviously the belt is going to be on the line April 7th, the rematch and, between Nami Yunus and Yon Chaichek. And I think very highly of Tisha Torres. Like you said, I think she's yeah. very underrated. I think she's a fantastic striker um, with a good ceiling. So I, I just I just don't like this matchup for her. Sure, and maybe maybe this Andrade matchup, and I shouldn't say the matchup, but the, the nature of the fight and the stakes of the fight, a co-main event on Fox, will bring out the best of Tisha Torres. There's sure. no denying the skills, the the, the cardio skills. I, she just she's got the mean streak. I'd like to see Tisha uh, get mean in there and, mm -hmm. and get cut up and uh, deal with some adversity. And those are going to be an entertaining 15 minutes, I think, uh, in the co-main event. All right, main event. 145 pounds. Jeremy Stevens now a fixture at featherweight and right now holding as the favorite minus 150 to come back on Josh Emmett at plus 120. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you know the book on Josh Emmett and the win over Ricardo Lamas after missing weight a couple of months ago. Um, need a method of victory here, of course, in the round. Jonathan, your thoughts on the main event, Stevens and Emmett this weekend in the O-Town. Okay, so again, this is a pretty short turnaround for both guys here. So other than the KO of Amis, Emmett's four other UFC fights have all gone the distance, so I don't see this one being any different. I think both guys are going to start off very tactical, especially Emmett, looking to pick his spots and try and mix in some wrestling where he can. But as the fight progresses, Stevens will bring the fight like he always does. But I don't think Emmett falls into the trap. He'll stick to his game plan. This is by far the biggest stage of Emmett's career, but I think he comes through. Let's get some points here. Josh Emmett by unanimous decision. 
Josh Emmett by unanimous decision. And you are right that uh, it was really a coming out party against Lamas because all of his previous UFC fights had gone the distance. And the alpha male guys have been talking about this guy for years. So they feel like they've got a credentialed future champion. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, the favorite here, Kenny. I think it's UFC fight number 28 or something like this. I'm starting to think that that maybe this guy and not Donald Cerrone is going to be the guy who retires as the UFC's all-time leader in appearances. I think he's going to get to 40. Wow. Um, Kenny, your thoughts on Emmett and Stevens in the main event this weekend? Ultimately, who wins and how do they get it done? Stevens is a savage, man. Listen, I think there's, oh. he is an absolute savage. Uh, he's a fighter's fighter, a guy who loves to move forward. He has crazy power. As far as finishing weapons, um, he's got a little bit more weapons. In my opinion, from what I've seen so far, if I feel like Stevens has more weapons. Uh, of which to win, you know, his fly, whether it's flying knees, his elbows, uh, his hooks are just nasty, his uppercut. But I think Josh Emmett, um, I think we're going to see him fight a little bit more conservatively. I think, like, uh, exactly like he said, I think he's going to mix in some takedowns. Um, I, I see him kind of picking and choosing when he decides to strike with someone like Jeremy Stevens. He better be very careful with someone like Emmett. Um, and, and fighting the clinch for, for a lot of the fight, faint a lot, keep Jeremy Stevens uh, guessing. Um, I think Emmett's a smart fighter. For a guy who doesn't have as much experience as Stevens, I, I think he's a, a guy who really sticks to his game plans, really like what Team Alpha Male is doing with him, um, and he's got to be riding high off of that knockout over Ricardo Lamas, who was the number three guy in the division. So Emmett now at number four going against Jeremy Stevens. I like Emmett as well by decision here. And I'm a huge Stevens fan, but uh, yep. I think Emmett's going to fight conservatively and, and outpoint him. All right. Well, John, we won't pick up points there necessarily, but Kempflo's chasing us right now. So I like that you're going right. with the dog value there. All right. Quick picks here. No analysis needed. Certainly, by all means, you have hot microphones or phones. I mean, feel free to give your two, ten two cents. Simply pick a winner. Up to you. Um, this is a deep fight card. You're getting Hannon Burrow and Brian Kelleher featured prelim. And I think that's on Fox as well. So they're telling me that is on Fox as well. That's a good thing. So Hennon Burrell, back to 135 pounds, minus 170. Brian Boom Kelleher, 2-1 and one in the UFC. All those fights in 2017, all of them finishes. He is the plus 140 underdog. Johnny, which way are you going, kid? Hennon Burrell, Brian Kelleher. I think Burrell's um, ripe for the picking these days. So I got to go with Brian Kelleher for the upset. Kenflo, Brian Kelleher, plus 140 underdog, the play for John. What, what, what do you think about Burrow in current form here against Brian Kelleher? I, I like Kelleher. I like his style, but uh, I'm going to go with Burrow here. All right, Hennon Burrow for the flow. All right, and then Alan Joban, minus 245. Ben Saunders, plus 195. Joban has lost his last two to Nico Price and Gunnar Nelson. Ben Saunders stopped by Peter Sabata back on May 28th. John, which way are you going, Joban and Saunders? Yep, so both guys coming off losses, and although it's a home fight for Saunders, i got to go with Joe Ban to take this one. All right, Joe Ban. Kenflo, what do you think? You see that Alan Joe Ban guy a lot. I know you guys see you guys laugh together all the time doing that fucking UFC Now show. going to pick against him? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I like both these guys. Saunders is a great guy as well. Yeah, he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to go with Joe Ban here. I think he gets the decision. Ben Saunders is an awesome dude. <laughs> yeah. He is. And, it, you know, he's a jiu-jitsu guy, too. Yes, yes. 10th planet, right? Yeah. All right. All right, that's it for the picks, all seven of them for UFC Orlando. John Zaychik, man, thank you for stepping up, and, and thanks for putting in the time as usual. We appreciate it. And uh, 
I, I love that picture of you and Dana, especially on President's Day. But maybe I could get a picture with you in Orlando, and that could be my new profile pic. How about that? John, John kind of looks there like Matt go. Brown. He kind of looks like Matt Brown a little bit. You ever get that? I do not. I okay. can't even fight 1% as good as he can either. <laughs> well, you could pretend. I do see. It's like Matt Brown with glasses. In, John, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll have you back for thanks, sure. Thanks, John. Right? In closing, in honor of Derek Lewis, let's just say we went deep into those picks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That is a good final word right there. That's funny. I was gonna say he didn't he didn't congratulate Ken Flo on the baby. No, he he's like went out, about went out with a bang as the Black Beast did this oh, weekend. Man. So we're gonna catch up with Longo here in a few minutes. But before we do, Connor McGregor, this guy pushes out a reply on social media and it's breaking news and newsworthy, right. and rightfully so, right? And, and the name he invoked was not Tony Ferguson. It was not Khabib Nurmagomedov. It was not Floyd Mayweather, nor was it Manny Pacquiao. I think to no one's surprise, the name he invoked was Nate Diaz. And there's no doubt this trilogy fight is going to happen at some point in time. I know there's a collection of people, Kenny, who don't believe that Connor's ever going to come back to the UFC. You know, I would I would almost put I put a tattoo on the line. I'm not going to do that necessarily today, but I have tried to guarantee people that Connor cares enough about his mixed martial arts legacy and loves competing as an MMA fighter enough to eventually come back to the octagon. Now, I never said he was going to come back in the role of betting underdog. I have always said I think when Connor does come back, it will be strategic and it won't be against someone like Habib Nurmagomedov. I think it'll be against someone he'll be favored to beat. Like Nate Diaz, I think Connor would be favored to beat Tony Ferguson, so I think that fight would have some appeal to him as well. Um, but I don't know, man. If I pistol to my temple today, I would say, if who is Connor McGregor's next UFC opponent going to be? I think it's going to be Nate Diaz. Well, uh, how about another fighter that he'd be favored against? Floyd Mayweather. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! I'll be back. Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> It's going to happen, Anik. You can't deny it. Floyd Mayweather, he was warming up He was warming up his fist when he walked into the octagon, kid. He's, oh, it's yeah. going to happen. Uh, uh, listen, uh, now, I, think Conor McGregor, I think Conor McGregor is going to fight uh, in the UFC again. Um, I, I actually really liked what he said. I think there's Conor McGregor, um, the guy who's just a marketing machine for him and his brand. Uh, and I also think there's the real Conor McGregor, the guy who is the martial artist, the guy who looks right. at the sport in a very intelligent manner. I don't think that Nate Diaz fight is next necessarily. But yeah. he what he's saying to me, what, what I interpreted is him saying, this fight will happen. He knows the fans want to see this. He's basically telling everyone to just relax. I think I honestly think he's trying to make this fight happen with Floyd Mayweather in the octagon. There's oh. just too much money on the line for him not to do it. He's going to listen. Am I going to fight Nate, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov for ten million or fifteen million, or am I going to fight a guy who I'm going to beat in thirty seconds for a hundred million? You know what I mean? I don't. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's what he wants to happen. I think that's what he's trying to make happen. Right. Um, but I think it will probably be him against maybe the winner of Habib and Tony, and then he'll fight Nate, Nate Diaz uh, further down the line. Um, so right. I, I think he's basically saying, "Hey, yeah, you know what? Nate Diaz also, in, in, in regards to the actual words he used, he was very complimentary of Nate Diaz, and he was saying, "Hey, this is a fight." This is the fight game where high-level techniques are used. And one mistake, you zig when you should have zagged, and that's going to be the difference here. Nate Diaz, yes, he absolutely did catch me. I'm a better fighter now because of it. I have not forgot about, forgotten about that loss. 
and I'll be yeah. better, and we will do the trilogy, and we will see who the better man is. And if you do take Connor at his word, you're right. Yeah. Foremost in his message was be patient and wait for the Diaz trilogy. Right. I do believe if Tony Ferguson beats Khabib Nurmagomedov, that that is the fight that will be made. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure if Khabib Nurmagomedov beats Tony Ferguson that, that Connor would fight him, but right. I remain hopeful that his next opponent will be that person. Um, but I'd also like to see Nate Diaz back in the octagon. I'm not sure that Tyron Woodley fight has any legs. So, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, the whole Mayweather thing is just, is just crazy. It's I, 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 I mean, I, I wasn't even going to, uh, going to pay it any mind. I mean, I, I, I ruined MS, your day. I man, ruined your well, day with that comment. I think, I mean, who's calling that fight? Like, am I calling that fight in the UFC? It'd be fun. Hey, I mean, I don't know list. what you say, though. You're doing an opening on camera on pay-per-view. I don't know exactly what you say. And I guess maybe shades yeah. of Randy Couture, James Tony. Right. But, I mean, does Connor kick his legs out from under him, try to elbow and give him a scar for life a la Joseph Benavidez against right. Miguel Torres, right? I mean, right. Like, you know, Take you want to scar for life, Floyd? Because there is a downside. <laughs> I, don't, I know for Floyd, be 0-1 in MMA. Right. There is a downside. You get Connor give you a scar for life if you're not care One of those Florian elbows. Yes. Flobos. Flobos. Well, we'll <laughs> see. At least Conor McGregor's making some noise, uh, which any kind of McGregor noise we will take. So, uh, all right. So we'll see what happens in Orlando with Josh Emmett and Jeremy Stevens. I'm very curious also to talk to Josh Emmett and just get his <laughs> thoughts on everything that went down in, in Winnipeg or Edmonton, where I think it was Winnipeg, yeah. with the whole weight cut situation for Ricardo Lamas. Because, you know, I'm, I'm one for absolutes and guarantees, and I can guarantee you that not only is Josh Emmett going to make 146 pounds for this fight in Orlando and make sure he gets ahead of it, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make 145 pounds to make championship weight to try right. to prove a message and make that extra pound. So uh, that is the main event coming up in Orlando. A lot of good stuff with Conor McGregor and a lot of good stuff with Ray Longo coming up here in a moment. First, though, give me a minute to tell you about Mattress Firm, if you would. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. Well, so does Mattress Firm, except it's with your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's Neighborhood Mattress Store. It's a true home run, and you'll have a ball. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise, but know this. They're more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed. From adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor, they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout if you will. So score big with a perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. I wonder what kind of mattress Ray Longo has. Let's ask him. Ray Longo Minute. Let's go. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. The great Ray Longo now joins us. Got a nice lather going. James Vick messed up my whole radio clock today, so I apologize. I'm all about Clint Eastwood today, baby. I'm going. Getting the grub going. I want to match Kenny. Play a couple of things. First of all, the cornerstone, guys, to good health is a good night's sleep. And for a good night's sleep, you know what you need? You need a good mattress. Come on. Are you kidding? Uh, oh. and, and, we got to have him read one of these things. Wait, I mean, Kenny, that's... Let me ask you, 
Kenny, is it me or were you attacking Weidman the whole broadcast? Ah, see, I gotta listen. It was his first time at Fox. I gotta give him a hard time, Ray. Every single time, I have oh. to. I was like, wow, what am I even looking at? <laughs> He's attacking the poor guy. You were like a bully. That's how I loosen people up. You know, I get him joking around. You know, it was great. He looked like he, he looked like he was very tense to me after he didn't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, I'm just crazy. lucky he didn't hit me. I'm lucky he didn't yeah, hit yeah, me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, how did Chris Weidman do? Are you either going to tell me straight if he wasn't good? I assume he was great. Though. He did great. He was funny, man. He's yeah. He loves doing the French accent. He kept uh, saying Thibaut Guti. He, he loves saying that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got to get Longo on that set, though. That would be, that now, would let be me special. Tell you I'll rip that place up. <laughs> <laughs> telling you. Uh, what is it going to take to get you your own half-hour special on Fox? Why has that not happened yet? <laughs> why do you think? Why do you think we save you for the end? You see that? You see the comments that we get. Guys are like, "Oh yeah, they, I had to wait for the whole end of, ending <laughs> just to hear Ray Longo." See that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a trick. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. it's called. Uh, what do they call that? A loss leader, where you just get the guy in the store, and then see? once you get him in there, it's all over. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I mean, we we, we said we, we should probably lead the show with you. I think it would probably help our ratings. But, uh, hey, so obviously if you were watching Weidman and Ken Flo um, exchange pleasantries on the desk, you must have been tuning in for the fights as well. So I want to ask you about Donald Cerrone and Yancey Medeiros. And from the standpoint of, of the mid-round hugging, right, and, and, and the, 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 the friendliness between these two fighters, Kenny talked a little bit about it off the shot, not something he can necessarily relate to. You know, he wanted to hurt his opponents. And I just think it's an interesting backdrop sometimes to these fights when there's so much mutual respect that some guy can maybe land or a guy can slip and then they're hugging. They like each other so much. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not a big fan of the hugging. And I think, you know, Chris alluded to something because – I think when, when he fought Nate Diaz, I picked Nate Diaz. I, I, I think, and I don't hold me to say, I think Chris had picked Cerrone. But, yeah. you see, Nate's not having it, man. You know, he's giving mm-hmm. him the finger in between rounds. And right. I think that, but I think by hugging Cerrone, you put him in a really safe spot in his head, and that's when he's going to be his best. Yes. And I think once you get in his face and pressure him and let him know, you know, he's not the bully in there, that's when he has trouble. And so I think the hugging by Nancy, uh, by Yancey Medeiros was was an absolute mistake. Uh, hugging Donald Cerrone's grandmother, beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, I yeah, think that was right. great. And, you know, hey, you know what? These are two guys that really do like the scrap. So maybe yeah. in this instance it's okay because I think they're at different points in their career. But yep. normally not a big fan. And I'm telling you, I think it put Cerrone in a, in a really good spot, and that was uh, – you know, part of the problem for uh, Yancey Medeiros. Ray, Ray, you mean you're not going to congratulate someone and high-five them and hug them when they hit you in the face? Hey, great yeah. shot, bro. That was awesome <laughs> yeah. the way you rattled my brain. Sick. <laughs> yeah, Jake Matthews. Hey, thanks for leaving a eyeball for me. You're a good guy. You know, most guys would have taken both eyeballs. You just walked off. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, you do. That's always uh, good for your fighting spirit. Yeah, on know? the battlefield. Hey, nice shot, dude. You took yeah. my shoulder out. That was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Drop a bomb it. over here, man. You guys are killing it. It's a mere flesh wound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks, buddy. Nice Stop stabbing. That was great. Yeah. You got me right in the hat. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. See, <laughs> I mean, I, dude, sleep-deprived Ken Flo is on fire, you know? <laughs> 
So, Ray, he forgot his cell phone today for the first time in 150 shows. He's had a kid for 10 days. He leaves his phone home. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's, there's more of that to come. Trust me. <laughs> I know. As long as I don't forget what, my kid, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. What advice could I give you? I think the best advice I could give you is make sure your wife breastfeeds. She that is. Way you, that, that beautiful. Yes. That way you don't you don't have to get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> pumping those bottles. Guess who's going to be right. giving the kid the bottle? She's a milk yeah. factory right now. I'll I tell you. Say, man, mandatory in my house. She had to be breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't I can't and wake up. I can't help I can't help her in that department. These exactly. things. Yeah. I these mean, don't what are you work. Do? Yeah. Exactly. It's a, that's step one. You're yeah. on your way. I like a, you're a, you're a yeah. good apprentice. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and if your daughter all of a sudden, if she's if she starts to reject it, Kenny, you just have to oh, no. force that breast on her because otherwise, uh, once that bottle feeding happens, man, it's you know fifty yeah. fifty. This is you know? true. That's right. This is true. Kenny, just keep all that uh, literature on how good breastfeeding is for the baby. <laughs> right. Just plaster that all over the house. That's right. That's right. She's still so, uh, Kenny. I don't know if you have anything else for Ray. I only had two other things. I don't know how much time you have. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is fighting Brett Johns, I believe. So I didn't get your thoughts on that matchup. And then I also was just curious if you had any thoughts on on Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, and his fight this weekend because I love watching him fight. I, I love the character. I, I'm just not sure I can say championship ceiling for the Black Beast anymore. And and at times I thought maybe we were looking at a future UFC champion. So. I guess let's start with the Black Beast. Did you see it, and what do you think about him moving forward? You know, it's funny. I saw. I, I'm going to say I saw the last round, but uh, okay. I thought that was like the best he looked. To, to tell you the truth, definitely not championship material. But man, who doesn't want to see him and uh, and Engano fight? Yeah. I, I know think that's a great, great matchup. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see that. It has to be entertaining, and. Uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think the beast is having fun in there, and he's he's definitely powerful. And uh, you know, who who was winning that fight up until the third round? It was one one, I think. Somebody said. Yeah, I think kind of, sort of. Uh, Tybura had some good chances on the map, but yeah, I thought Derek, won, you know, won the first round. Tybura won the second. Um, but yeah, you know, here's the thing: if he fights in Ghana, we know it's not going to be a World Jiu-Jitsu Championship fight. You know what I mean? Without, it's gonna, these guys are standing. Without. These guys are standing and banging. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought your advice was good. He's got to get on the mat, and uh, but I, I don't think that's where he's heading. Even in his head, I think yeah. he really enjoys that. And if they give him the right matchups, he's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of fun fights. I think that. Yep. Not that they're MMA, you know, perfect, but I think a lot of fans want to see that because, you know, that's what they like is just two guys beating the crap out of each other. And he did land a nice combo at the end, yeah. you know, so, you know, power what, tool. What is the biggest challenge for a trainer when you're trying to condition a heavyweight? I mean, everyone can't be cardio cane, but Matt Serra tells me that Longo is very underrated. We've had this conversation on this show before, but he says you're very underrated when it comes to getting athletes conditioned. You know what? they need to do to get themselves in position to go five hard fives. And I know at times on our show, you're critical of even heavyweights who don't have a gas tank after four minutes. So how do you get these big guys to be able to sustain a pace over 15 or 25 minutes? I mean, look, I, I, I like to literally when I have the opportunity, but right now, like there's so many uh, strength and conditioning coaches and everything's become specialized. I, I still do it, but I'm not, not like I used to. But mm. I really used to torture a lot of people, and I think you have to you have to make that training brutal to the point where they don't even want to do it, and then uh, I think it helps them in the long run. But uh, 
I was huge on hill running, mandatory. I liked a lot of pushing the car. I liked that old school stuff. And he mixed mm-hmm. that in with, you know, tie pads and, you know, yep. doing some wrestling or doing some jujitsu while you're tired. I think you train the brain the right way to, you know, while you're even exhausted, you still have to move and you still have to execute. And that, that's the way I used to like to do it. We've kind of, I've kind of taken a back seat, but um, I think if a guy's conditioned the right way, there's literally no reason for him to get tired. Yeah. Kenny's just having nightmares of that Versa climber, I think, right now as <laughs> yeah. we speak. Uh, uh, I, tell you, I, was you, I was huge on the Versa climber. That's great. Yeah. I can't, you know, Kenny, I can't get guys to even go back on there right really? now. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's they brutal. They come up with excuses. My knee, I don't want the thing hitting the bottom. Yeah. I <laughs> it hurts my back. <laughs> But I'll tell you, see, like, Weidman... It hurts their pride, is what it does. Exactly. Yeah, Chris yeah. Weidman, when he started out, he w- he crushed that Versa climber. Mm-hmm. Out of everybody, he held the records. I mean, I used to wow. hold competitions and, you know, put together routines, and Weidman crushed that thing. Second was Ally Aquinta. Those guys, younger, were really cardio machines. And now, yeah. you know, you get older, you get injuries, you got to work around it. We know we're not 20 years old anymore, but... Back yeah. in the day, I mean, Chris Weidman, cardio-wise, was a beast, man. And I'd yeah. love to see him get back to that. But, again, injuries prevent stuff. Yeah. And uh, you got to work around stuff, and it gets a little wacky that way. But when everybody was healthy and they were younger, man, those guys really pushed it, man. They really did. I will never forget the Versa Climber. You know who crushed that Versa Climber, too, Ray Longo? Kenneth uh, Allen. <laughs> Or Let me, I'm crushed. telling you. It was a you, great training tool, though, man. It was brutal. I, I love to hate. I, I love to I hate that thing. Climate. I'm going to say I had a Versa climb. It was the home model, but I'm going to say 30 years ago. Wow. I used to consider it like the secret weapon. It is. It really it is. It really was. But, man, people, you go to a gym, and then I, you know, when when I got my second gym, the health club had closed down. I, boy, I, I took like three Versa climbers. They were unused. They collect Kenny, dust. Nobody, yeah. they, no, they, everyone's they, afraid they, of them. Nobody wants to get on them. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. But that was a great tool done the right way in intervals and mixed in with other stuff. Without I don't doubt. think you could beat it, man. I really don't. We got to come and up with a Sarah, versa climber. Sarah was another guy, man. If I didn't torture him with the conditioning, he just wasn't happy. He, yeah. And he never felt like if I didn't do X, Y, and Z with him before a fight, he would feel way off. He, he needed to be tortured. That's what he... He embraced, and it worked out great for him. All right, I'll get you out of here on this 30 seconds. I know preparations are underway for Ally Quinta for Paul Felder and for Aljamain Sterling against Brett John. So those are the, the two big fights on your immediate horizon, at least in the UFC, yes. Uh, well, I have Al April 7th, great right. fight, tough fight. I was with him last night. He looked phenomenal. And then on the 21st, remember, I got Aljamain, I got Marab. And I've been working with uh, this Japanese guy, Suzaki. I don't know if you know Uka Suzaki. He's a one Oh, yeah, Uka, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I love this kid. Really, really good. Very technical. I really believe I've tightened up a lot in his game in a nice. short period of time. And um, he's got a really tough fight against uh, Magama Vilatov. But I think, I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. This kid's really, really good. And uh, I'm just, we're just starting to gel right about now. So. Nice. I think it's going to be it's going to be a great night. So we got three guys that night. So wow, I'm going to that's I'm, going a, to, I'm glad it's on the East Coast and I'm going to bring a lot of help with me. Yeah, do it. That's a big flyweight fight, and Lucas aside, that's a big frame for 125 Dude, tall, pounds. Tall yeah, for 125 pounds. The guy's six foot. It's crazy, crazy. I'm going to tell you, he just had a great sparring session last week, and uh, I'm really psyched for this guy. He's a 
great guy too. What a polite Ray always had a lot of potential. I'm glad he's working with you because I always felt like he was one of those guys uh, with so much potential, just needed the right training. So that that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think I brought out some really good stuff with him. I really do. I need to, you know, we, he's really good. He's a he's a pleasure to work with. I have to I have to say I really enjoy working with him. He's like a he's like a sponge. There's a communication gap, but you know I've known his manager for like 25 years. So mm. uh, I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm glad he's been coming over and getting to work because there's so many guys his weight, uh, you know, to work with. And between Aljo, Marab, and him, it's a, it's a great camp. Yeah. No, I bet it is. Now just stick him on a fucking Versa climber and you'd be all set. Sazaki <laughs> will get on the Versa climber because he's new. You see, the new guys. Yeah, right, yeah. They yeah. don't know better. They just go, yeah, okay, they okay, get, coach. Yeah, as, soon as, yeah. they, as soon as they get comfortable with me, Kenny, now go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going on again. Uh, that's funny. Uh, well, gracious of you, as is the case, every damn Monday to interrupt your training for us. We love you. Uh, we hope to see you soon. Uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see you uh, in Brooklyn, if not sooner, my man. Have a have a great week. Awesome, buddy. Thanks a lot, man. Take care, Ray. Take it easy, Kenny. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And that's a big, big fight. Uluka Sasaki and, and Magomed Bubulatov at 125 pounds. Uh, all right, now joining us on the guest line. And it's got to be a good Monday to wake up as the Texecutioner, James Vick. He moves to 9-1 and one in the UFC with a victory over Francisco Trinaldo. James Vick is with us after another big UFC win. My man, I appreciate the time, as always, especially here on Monday after the fight. How you doing today? I'd imagine pretty well. Yes, sir. How y'all guys doing? It feels great. We're doing well, man. Well, I didn't I didn't want to text you yesterday, but, you know, I was sending you good vibes here from South Florida. I'm happy for you getting through this challenge. Certainly not unlike yourself, this Brazilian Francisco Trinaldo, not a guy in the top 10 that people are calling out all the time. Dangerous fight nonetheless, and, and you got past a guy who had won eight of nine coming in. Uh, you got to feel pretty good about this W. I know you didn't get the finish, but all things considered, uh, moving on up, which is what you're looking for. Yeah, it was good. Um, I, you know, um, I wish I would have got the finish. It would have obviously made a bigger statement for me, but I really, you know, didn't take much damage in the fight. And I, I you know, I controlled the distance. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize for, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you should stand there. If I, you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a punching bag. I'm not going to stand there like a retard and fight. You know, I felt like I moved and I had a good game plan and it worked out perfect. And he couldn't get inside on me. And um, right. I, I felt like everything I did came, came you know, uh, went according to plan. So it, except, you know, I didn't get to finish. I, when I rocked him in the first round, I dropped him. I, I rushed it a little bit. And then I, you know, I let him get underneath me and change levels for the takedown. I, I think I should have been a little more patient there. Maybe I could have, could have gotten it, but you know, uh, it, it turned out great. Got to show off your grappling a little bit defensively. Was that choke uh, close at all? It didn't seem like any, anything was imminent there. No, it, it, really, uh, it really wasn't uh, close at all. I'm, uh, yeah. I really didn't feel threatened at all. That's why, you know, I, I saw the ref, you know, looking at me. I gave him the thumbs up to make sure he knew. Um, right. Uh, I was more worried about, honestly, I was more worried about when he was attempting that head and arm triangle. And, I, you know, I heard my coach scream, get your elbow down, get your elbow down, because, you know, I, I know he's finished. You know, he has three UFC wins, um, you know, by head and arm triangle. And right. when he went – when he went for that, when he went for that move, I, I, you know, I was very, I got the elbow and I turned, you know, I was, I was ready to even get my back up before I, get, I get, let him get to that position because I knew how strong he was there. 
So you dislocated a finger early on in the fight, and I wonder if this fight had been five rounds, how you would have perhaps been forced to approach those championship rounds. But in some respects, you had a lead here that you could sit on. How do you think things would have changed if there was more fight time after the injury than there was? I, um, I mean, they, I think they would have been the same uh, as far as I, I thought. It, basically, it turned out exactly how I thought as far as exactly what, what I said Geraldo's a super tough guy. He's mentally strong as they come. He's a warrior. But I have all those those attributes as well, plus I have more. And that's pretty much what it was. Is um, I think will-wise and determination, we were both, you know, pre- pretty close to level. I mean, he's a warrior. And, yeah. you know, I'm a warrior. But I knew that my skill set was too much, and I felt like with my kicks and my jab and my movement, I could have kept him on the outside all night. It was literally went 10 rounds. Um, I, I felt like the the, the – the more he came in to close the distance, yeah, he landed a few shots, but um, it, it was only a time before I was going to land something big, you know? So, um, right. I just feel like, um, you know, I could have kept him out all night if I had to. So, James, you've been calling out these guys in the top 10 for a little while now. I, I believe you beat Trinaldo, who was number 14, uh, I, I think, in the world. Do you think this puts you in a position now uh, where they can't deny you that that chance? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I, I feel, you know, I kind of feel bad for Sean Shelby at this point because he wants to, he, 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 he is trying to give me a chance. You know, I appreciate what he's doing. You know, he is trying to give me a chance. They don't want to fight. These dudes don't want to fight me and they want to, you know, your name's not big enough. You're not ranked high enough. There's always some, you know, some excuse. Um, uh, they don't want to fight. So, um, I, I mean, it basically the UFC is going to have to force these guys to fight me. That's, that's the only way around it. Um, I don't think any of them is going to voluntarily fight me. Um, so we'll see how it plays out uh, or they're going to expect me to take a fight with them on two weeks notice or some shit like that because, uh, you know, one of their opponents pulled out and then they'll agree to fight me, you know, on some two week notice shit because right. they, they in a way they're going to want to give me a full camp. And James, I know you specifically called out Kiesa and Lee. Why, why those guys? Why, why are those the right matchups for you? The reason why I called these guys out, well, first of all, Kevin Lee, beat, I mean, uh, Kiesa, Michael Kiesa beat me six years ago in open fighter. So I've always wanted to rematch with that fight, of mm-hmm. course. But the thing is, is, is that I'm not just randomly calling these guys out for no reason. I mean, obviously they're ranked above me, so I do want to fight all of them. But the thing is, is um, uh, Sean Shelby wanted to make those fights. He asked, he, they really wanted to make the Kiesa fight because he's like, you know, it makes the time frame, you know, from the time he, he was looking to fight, the time you were looking to fight, it makes sense. The, the rematch, you know, there's a good storyline. It makes sense. He asked didn't want the fight. He, he asked they really wanted to make uh, the Kevin Lee fight. Um, that's the second time Kevin Lee's turned out a fight with me. They didn't want to fight. Um, uh, it's not that I'm just – I mean, it, it just pissed me off when, I, when I'm saying, yes, I'm, I'm 100% green to fight these guys, and they, they, they won't agree. James Vick with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So it is interesting, the dilemma that I think a lot of fighters are in, right? And I've said to you privately and maybe even here, like, dude, I'm not fighting James Vick, right? If I'm an 150, I'm not fighting a guy that's six foot three inches tall. I'd imagine, though, for you, right, like, let's say you said, all right, April 7th, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson are going to fight. I'm going to try to be ready or as ready as I possibly can be for April 7th in the event that maybe there's an opportunity there. But for a guy like you, isn't it sort of a systematic work your body down to 56 or 55. I mean, wouldn't you have to like almost enter into sort of a, a, a training camp situation right now to make that a reality? Yeah, possibly. And, and, and also, um, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm going, you know, uh, I'm a hundred percent. That's been on the back of my mind, a hundred percent as far as, you know, what if one of those guys get hurt, but also I have to think about this is, is 
that this is why I'm, what I'm going to do to potentially, you know, you know, see if that's even a remote possibility. I'm going to, I'm going to call Sean Shelby and I'm going to talk to him right. in a couple of days. Right. I'm going to see how my body feels in a couple of days and I'm going to call him and I'm going to be like, is it, you know, I know it's a long shot, but is it realistic? Because I ha- also right. have a baby due uh, April 5th, you know, I, my, oh, my wow. due, forget, um, it. Uh, forget about it. And, but, but you know what, obviously my, my son, I think my son will understand if his dad gets a world title opportunity yeah, and, and, and takes the fight. I don't think he's going to be mad at me for going up there and make a half a million dollars, you know, and, and become a world champion. But, right, um, uh, I would totally, you know, uh, be be uh, be ready for that. If 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 I ask Sean, if they say, dude, I know that's a long shot, but is it a possibility? Should some of them get hurt in a couple weeks? But you know, I know there's other guys on the card um, uh, uh, that are, you know, well, Kiesa exactly. and uh, uh, I don't know if they're on that card, but they're the one after. You know, Ally Quintus ranked ten. He's on that card. You know, well, who's to say they wouldn't give them the fight because they're already on the card? You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I'll talk. I'm going to talk to Sean and, and I'm going to see what he says for sure. Right. No, and I think everything you say makes sense. I look at that April 7th date, and if I'm not mistaken, you have Iaquinta Felder, Kiesa Pettis, and Nurmagomedov Ferguson, right? So that if if one of those six even fell out, right, you could step into a potentially a, a big fight opportunity there. But it's tough because to your point, yeah, maybe some of these guys would like to fight you, but they would like to do it on their terms, which might be, you know, two and a half weeks notice for you. Yeah, and I'm not gonna. Here's the thing. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, uh, fight on. On. Uh, I've just fought my fourth fight in a year. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I'm pretty sure I'm healthy. I mean, you know, my arm's a little beat up from getting kicked in in my leg. You know, but these are right. common fight injuries. That it ain't nothing serious. Um, uh, I should. I'll be back in the gym doing something by the end of the week. It's, you know, my finger is dislocated, but I'm pretty sure it's not broke. It's just kind of you know swelled and purple now. But it's not. I, it ain't. It ain't nothing. I ain't used to. But. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna step in and fight someone on two weeks' notice. Uh, this not not for a world title fight. There ain't no way. Not right. at this point in my career. I've earned that right not to. And um, unless they're offering like they they better come to the table with some serious money, if they want me to step in and fight, you know, um, whoever uh, uh, on two weeks because I, just alone on the weight cut. You know what I'm saying? I if they yep, wanted to meet me at 170, I would consider that. You know, on two weeks because I'm always in shape. I can go three rounds any day of the week. I train year round uh, twice a day, um, uh, but you know I, I'm not gonna kill myself cutting that weight for the same amount of money that I could do I could do for a full camp. You know, especially when I I'm not hurting for money right now. You know, I, I I'm very smart with my money, and I've uh, I've fought four times in a year, and I've won four fights. And um, uh, if I, unless it's for a major opportunity, and it, it, but not, I was just ranked number twelve. I'm assuming I'm gonna be ranked number around number number ten or so. Unless it's for a top five guy, I'm not gonna do that at this point. No, and it makes sense. And again, this is a lot of this is just me thinking out loud because I know you've been very vocal about trying to spin this thing forward. And I remember when you say I'm seven and one in the UFC, eight and one in the UFC. Now you're nine and one in the UFC and you're taking out tough guys. So putting a bow on this Trinaldo fight, I don't know if you immediately go back and watch those 15 minutes or not. But what was the biggest takeaway for you or for Lloyd Irvin in terms of what you guys need to shore up as you move up the ladder and and take your shots at, at this division's elite? I mean, um, to me, everything worked out exactly the way I thought it would. And, and you know, my coach, Lord Irvin, he, you know, he, he was very happy with the performance. Um, uh, I mean, we knew Chernobyl's not a joke. The dude can fight. I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't get to finish, but I mean, uh, you know, I beat, I beat Chernobyl. In my opinion, I beat Chernobyl way easier than Kevin Lee did. He landed a lucky ass head kick after he got dropped twice in the first round, almost finished with a body shot. Um, uh, yeah. 
and I, you know, I took everything Ronaldo had. He was, you know, he was a decent puncher. He wasn't as strong as people said he was in the clinch and stuff like that. You know, from, you know, I, I you know, I know he's supposed to be real physically strong. He was strong, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't what, um, what I thought. And you know, I, I got the body lock and I put him down pretty easily. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, he. And but I will say one thing: he didn't get tired. Like the, the rumor on his cardio was not true. Like the dude, the dude had a tank, and I mean, yeah. he got tired, but he he knows how to suck it up. I was I was very impressed with that. He just, you know, had a warrior spirit. I'm, uh, obviously, we, I mean, we all got stuff we need to work on, you know. Um, I know, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, Vic uh, drops his hands. He keeps his chin in the air too much. You know, he, he moves, you know, moves circles the wrong direction. You know, but I agree, you know, um, we all got stuff we need to work on, you know. But um, at the end of the day, my awkwardness is in, in, in uh, uh, weird timing and my, my awkward movements and the shit I do has helped me more than it's ever hurt me. Yeah. No, so, I, I mean, think I, that's you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fair. change what I'm doing, but I've added stuff. I mean, you y'all see I'm progressing. I mean, I, I started doing Taekwondo two years ago, um, uh, and now I'm getting I'm getting really good at it. I'm landing side kicks. I'm landing front kicks. You know, I'm landing side kicks to the face. You know, I'm I, right. I, two years ago I didn't even throw a side kick. You know, I'm progressing and I'm getting better. My re, you know I, I hit you know two takedowns last night. You know, I'm I'm evolving. You know, I didn't even go for takedowns uh, 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 until. The able to hill fight is the first take that I ever had in my UFC career. I'm evolving. I'm getting yeah. better because I'm training. I may be 30, 30 years old now, about to be 31 in, uh, in, uh, this Friday, but I, I'm training harder than these 20-year-olds are training. I'm still training harder than them, and I'm progressing every day, and I'm getting better every day. And you're nine and one of the UFC at 155 pounds, and you got a baby boy coming on April 5th. And just like this guy picking winners, I mean, I, you're the most avid MMA sports better among any fighter on this roster. He basically guaranteed to the masses that he was having a boy and not a girl. You hit on that one as well. <laughs> I mean, you got a pick to click for the listeners for this this Orlando show, or have you not handicapped the card yet? Okay, who, uh, give me the breakdown. All right, so we got we. I mean, I know you know Jeremy Stevens well. He's a slight favorite against Josh Emmett. We got Tisha Torres and Jessica Andrade in, in the co-main event. Uh, Ovin St. Preux and Alir Latifi is a pick'em fight right now. I mean, you got to have a lean on some of these for me. Okay, man, I'm gonna go. Man, I, I hate to say this, um, because Jeremy Stevens is my boy, but if I have to bet my money, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add to uh, uh, Emmett. Okay, I'm, I'm, right. I'm gonna do that. I'm right. going to go with Jessica Andrade. I think that um, skill-wise, Tisha Torres is striking as vicious. She's athletic, but I don't think she has the grit in her and the, the you know the meanness and the, the the will to win that that Andrade has. Mm. And then I'm going with, with OSP. I think that Latifi's striking isn't 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 as good, and the wrestling he's wrestling is good, but he's just he's not the athlete. And um, OSP has too much power, you know, in his left leg and his left hand. And I think that um, OSP is going to win that fight. Beautiful. I love it. The budding analyst, James Vick. All right. Thank you for the time, man. Our sincerest congratulations. We, we love watching you evolve and keep on winning. Hope everything goes well with the baby boy. And, and we look forward to that next UFC fight, which undoubtedly will be a big one for you, buddy. Thank you for, uh, for giving us a few minutes today. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your support, man. I appreciate it. Congrats, James. All right, there he is, the tech executioner, James Vick, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I'll never forget getting ready for the Ultimate Fighter Live, the finale, and Vick was injured. He wasn't fighting. The final fight was Ally Quinta and Michael Chiesa, and so I'm, I'm walking into the sports book, and there's James Vick, and he's like, dude, I mean, dude, Ally Quinta could barely walk, and, and Michael Chiesa's plus 300, so he empties his wallet on Chiesa, and sure enough, uh, cashed on Chiesa that night as a 3-1 to one underdog, so good stuff there from, uh, from Jimmy Vick. 
Now, 9-1 and one, uh, inside that UFC octagon. All right, that is going to do it for today. Thank you to our guests, James Vick, Ray Longo, John Zaychek on the picks. Next week is a pay-per-view week. We're already there, so we'll get you ready for UFC 222, Cyborg versus Kunitskaya, Brian T. City Ortega taking on Frankie Edgar. All of that coming your way. Flo with another six or seven picks for you next Monday. Until then, Flo, back to the diapers. How, how are the diapers going? Is she putting on a little bit of weight or what? She is. She's putting on a lot of weight, man. She, like, you know, Good. initially the first two weeks they, like, lose a lot of their birth weight, but she gained yeah. it right back. She's Good. eating so good, man. She's a beast. She's strong. Good. And not too yeah. much weight because, you know, as a woman. Well, we want to totally... keep her at 115 pounds. I think yeah, she's right, already ranked yeah. in the top 15, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, so, that's good. Yeah. Well, we're excited for you, uh, and we're excited to have you back on Monday. Bring the cell phone next week I know, if you dude, want. I'm sorry. Um, I kind of like this though. I undivided attention. You got to look at. You got to look at this face for a full hour. Uh, all right, we got to go. Thank you to uh, to Ben Wasorek, Danny, everybody else, the Fox Sports squad for the flow. I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching, for subscribing. We look forward to it very much. Talking to you next Monday. Until then, you later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.